Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Boston University Podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is John. I'm a former humane law enforcement officer and a former animal shelter supervisor, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, wife, and co-host of this podcast, Jamie. She is a certified dog trainer and certified canine behavior consultant. This episode is the audio from a recent Facebook Live Q&A that we did over at Boston University. So it may sound a little different. The audio quality might not be what you're used to, but we hope you find plenty of value in the questions that we answered, and we will return to a normal format as soon as possible. If you want to catch our next Q&A, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Boston University. Hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Hi, how's everyone doing? Welcome to Possum University Live. This is our first time doing this, so there may be some kinks we need to work out. <laughs> and we have a, a visitor right now. He doesn't feel like sleeping, so hope you guys don't mind looking at a newborn infant. And I'm going to really check, quickly check the volume on this. Okay. So, if you want to just... So we're going to get started on our first question. This comes from a previous client of mine. Um, her name is Kate, and she is asking how to get her dog to stop constantly licking the baby's face. Um, this is like the nicest question I could receive from Kate because we were working with her dog before uh, they had the baby um, to really get him to where he needed to be. Um, in terms of the baby and, you know, letting strangers in the house. So hearing the fact that she wants him to stop licking the baby's face is such a load off my chest. Um, I'm so happy that that is the reality. Um, now this one's a little bit tricky because it really depends on the dog. So for Jax, um, he is super treat motivated. So I would tell Kate, you know, really work on a separate command for him to work with the baby. Um, anytime he's licking the baby, maybe, um... You don't want to use leave it because leave it is kind of a, a word, especially for Jax, because we've worked on this with him um, previously, where it's more of like a leave it alone, don't ever touch it. And we don't want him to feel that way towards the baby. Um, maybe, you know, off or, you know, a separate word that's going to work for him. Um, that's not a negative that it's just, you know, leave it for right now type of situation um, that they can pick and, and use it for that. And maybe like, uh, touch where he comes to dad instead of, you know, you know, all, all up on the baby. So that's definitely something they can work on where they're choosing a different word. I like that touch command. I yeah. think about that. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from Danielle. How can I get my dog to stop nipping? I'm desperate. She just constantly chews everything, including us humans. When the pandemic is over, I'm looking to bring her in for a behavioral assessment. So I got to ask Danielle a few extra questions, um, just because they're, needs to be a little bit more information on this one. I asked her how old uh, the pup was, and she's 15 months. Um, I also asked her um, when she physically got her, um, because this has a lot to do with it. I, she didn't get to answer yet um, whether or not when she got her, but let's say that this 15-month-old puppy wasn't adopted until 10 months, and that's 10 months of... Actually, Not, she did answer. Did she answer? She just answered one minute ago. What'd she uh, say? We got her February 2019. She was just about eight weeks. She was about three months when she t went to the basic puppy class, maybe six months when she went to the advanced class. She's a Great Dane bull, so she's a big girl. The second class didn't go as smooth as the first. I had a private person at the house, and she was good for a while, but she annoyed the trainer. I love her, and I will not get rid of her, but she's kind of a jerk. <laughs> 
Okay. If this happens. Um, sometimes they do have jerky personalities where they're just constantly getting into trouble. Um, this is not something they want to do. I'm going to go ahead and say that either she's bored or she's really looking for attention. Um, a lot of times they learn, especially early on, that um, they Danielle can... just joined the live video. Too. Oh, lovely. Hi, Danielle. Um, a lot of times dogs will learn that naughty behavior gets them the most attention, uh, the biggest rise out of us. This goes for children as well. Um, so if we're getting super excited every single time they do something wrong and, and that's the, the time that they're getting the most attention, they're going to really run with that and they're going to harness those, uh, behavioral situations and kind of just really go for them all the time. Cause that's what they know works for them. Um, you want to put him down? So my suggestion is unless, um, you know, it's something huge where she's um, like, let's let's say, for instance, like she likes to steal things off the counter. Um, if it's not something that's going to harm her, um, you know, and it's not food, you know, it's not your food, anything that's, um, you know, important to you. And she's not going to eat it or destroy it. Let her have it. I have a lot of dogs that do this. Um, clients that um, their dog just wants to take something um, and have it and have you react. Now, I know Danielle said that she is a chewer. So this is going to be a little bit more difficult for her to just kind of um, take it with a grain of salt and really, you know, pick your battles on whatever she's grabbing. Um, but trying to get it to a point where she's understanding like no matter what she's doing in a negative way she's not getting any positive attention from her owner um but the chewing in general we want to make sure that she's being mentally stimulated during the day um we have a list of amazon recommended products that we can post as well um for anybody who's listening and, and this may be a, a problem that you're having as well um if your dog is chewing a lot a lot of things in the house it's probably because they're bored and they do need mental stimulation. They need to chew. That's a huge thing, especially for puppies, but dogs in general. I mean, like I'm looking at Oakley before and he looks bored. So I gave him a frozen marrow bone. So I feel bad because, you know, we're stuck in the house. Nothing's going on. It was a crappy day today with the rain. So your dogs need to stay stimulated. So um, frozen marrow bones, frozen Kongs, um, anything that you can, like any type of toy that you can stuff, even like um, treat dispensing toys. So like... I know BarkBox is coming out with a bunch where you can put uh, treats inside the, the stuffed animal. Um, so things like that. Um, uh, bully she, sticks. She ate the toy food puzzle. The whole thing? But, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's kind of common, though. Those aren't <laughs> yes. really that durable. It depends on what it is. Um, now, if you look at our recommended list from Amazon, we have a Bobolot and we have a Kong Wobbler on there. I only suggest for our big chewers the Kong Wobbler because the Bobolot does not stand up to the big chewers. Um, most of them take that top, that green top, and just gnaw it right off. Um, so Kong Wobblers are great, especially for a chewer. It's kind of it's really hard for them to um, get through that. It's it's a thicker plastic. Um, John's grabbing it right now. So this is the smaller one. They have a bigger one now. This was um, our dog Opal. You can see the teeth. Yeah, she used to, she loved this. She would pick it up and, and really durable. bring it around the house. And that's, I mean, that was a year of, of torture for the, the Kong. So, um, she did a, she did a number on it Just and put the food in there and yeah. they usually know what to do. Yep. So uh, some dogs, uh, puppies get a little weird with it because they're like, what the hell is this? But if you put it down and you tap it and let the food come out and congratulate them, um, that's, that's a huge, uh, a win for most dogs. Um, but you know, 
bully sticks, yak bones, bento balls. Um, the bento ball we love. It's like um, an orange plastic thing like this, and it's a half moon. And then you slip the this disc inside of it and it and it holds it so they can't get it out so it's kind of rounded over so they can't just chew on it directly so it takes them a really long time it's 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 called the everlasting bento ball um it's kind of like the gobstopper which is pretty cool and then we have this which um our dogs love as well it's a, a snuffle mat um you can put the food inside so like meal time even treats whatever you want to do put them inside and they take forever to find them all um, so they're using their nose and they're using their brains and it really keeps them stimulated and keeps them busy. Um, anything that you can do to keep your dog busy for 20 to 30 minutes at a time will really help you. And Danielle, this will probably be your saving grace, but you have to be proactive, have those frozen bones and understand like if you took her for a walk and then she took a nap, like you need to be proactive and know when she wakes up, she's going to be bored again and you already have something ready for her. You're, you're planned. We're not waiting for her to mess up to then say, okay, what can I do with you now? We want to like make, if you know every night at six o'clock, she's a pain in the butt, have it ready for 545 um, and, and just be proactive for yourself on that. And I think that'll really help and just kind of help her not get in trouble, <laughs> kind of be her advocate in that, in that manner. All right. I hope that helps. So Arielle says, Doc can get very reactive when we are walking. She's easily distracted, interested in everything that is moving. Her reactions vary from lunging or whimpering. How can I better help her de with these urges and desensitize her? She says, I walk her three plus miles a day and even do walks with other dogs. She calms down after a while. Arielle is like the number one dog mom. Um, she takes Dot everywhere. Now, Doc's situation is a little bit different. She is also pretty young. I think she, I, I think now she's about a year and a half, maybe maybe two years. Um, she actually had puppies at a very, very young age um, and was adopted later. So again, um, similar situation what I was talking before. If, if a dog is adopted later in life um, and we don't really know their puppyhood, um, there's a lot that could have happened. So um, you're kind of working with what you got and trying to figure out how to help them in the best way. Um, Dot is also a previous client of mine, such a sweet girl. She's come such a long way. Um, she is very excitable. She loves people. She's super friendly. So this is kind of where she's getting herself in trouble. Um, cause I know Ariel's trying to get her walk and get it done rather than, um, you know, kind of hanging around and, 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 you know, socializing with a bunch of people. So, um, I think what might help Dot is, I don't know if Ariel is, is carrying treats with her as she's going. I know we did practice that in the beginning, but that does get annoying as you're going on. Um, and if you're doing it every day, keeping her connected with you. So if, you know, there are people and there's other dogs, keeping her super close to you on the leash. Um, so she knows, okay, like I mean business right now. We're not, we're not like socializing. We're not hanging out. So there's, there's a difference. I always tell my, my clients, I'm not big on heel. I don't teach the command heel. Um, but I do teach, um, that there's two different types of walking. There's a walking where it's for your dog. It's for them to sniff, go to the bathroom, um, get some mental stimulation, get their sniffs in. Um, and then there's the walking where it's for, for the sole purpose of walking. You know, we're getting our exercise. We're on the move. We're going somewhere. We're not sniffing and hanging out and, and pausing every five seconds. Um, which a lot of people are like, Oh my God, my dog like weaves in and out. So, there's there's two different types of walking so the dog is understanding okay this is what we're doing right now so they have a differentiation there um 
So make sure that, you know, when, when people are approaching or dogs or anything like that, that Dot knows, okay, I'm close to mom right now. I'm supposed to be focused on her. Work on your look command. Work on your leave it command. Treat her the entire time while it's happening. So when she sees another dog over time, if you continue to do this, instead of looking at that dog, she's going to be like, oh, wait, I get treats when this happens. Let me look at mom. So she's actually voluntarily disconnecting from the thing that you want her to disconnect from. Um, but it has to be consistent and you have to not get frustrated and just be as positive as possible. Um, and you'll start to change her association with everything she encounters on her walks. Yes. Um, it'll be become more of a positive thing. You know, 100%. Encountering other dogs, wildlife, anything like that. And focusing on mom instead. Um, so that's definitely something that Ariel can do. She can also try, um, we've done this at the shelter a bunch of times. John actually did this with one of, um, our problem dogs who is now living the life, DJ. DJ. Um, super reactive on walks. He had to have a metal leash. He was very nippy. D- Dot is not like this, but it's in the same mindset, um, that we would give him a toy. So like, um, a rope toy or a Kong, something that he can hold in his mouth on his walk that he really, really enjoyed. Um, and this actually kept him super calm. If, if he didn't have a toy in his mouth, a different dog. Yeah. It, it was mayhem. Um, it was just, it was not good. <laughs> so, um, maybe trying that with her, something that she really, really loves and maybe just designating that one great toy. Um, even like a bully stick that she's not going to eat right away. Like, holding that as she's walking a yak bone something like that that she's going to want to take with her and not leave behind um and if she does drop it you can just pick it up and put it in your pocket you know as you're walking but something that's going to keep her mind off everything else that's going on and keep her a little bit more focused this happens a lot and it does seem to help so maybe trying to find a designated toy that is only for walking so if it is a toy um she doesn't have that in the house during the day and it's just hanging around it's it's for walking it's by by the leash you make it a little bit more special yeah it's yeah. it's definitely more of an exciting toy for her um but i hope that helps definitely working on the look and the leave it command so she definitely gets a little bit more focused and focused on you ariel all right so next question's from becky who i worked at the shelter with she was were you were you there when she was there uh, she was there for a couple weekends and then, then she was That's done. That's right. Yeah, she went yeah, part time. So she, it's, her dog is Charlotte. She's an adorable pit bull. Mm-hmm. Um, she has Cutie. a question about dog reactivity as well. Dog reactivity to any kind of animal on TV. So that one's kind of tough because, you know, it's like your TV. So, <laughs> but working again with the working on the look and the leave it, um, having treats near your TV. Like I have a lot of clients that'll take little Tupperwares and put little training treats in them and leave them on the coffee table. Um, anything that's going to be really easy and make it easier for you as an owner to not, you know, have to get up and go to the pantry and, you know, try to distract because you never know when a, when a dog or an animal is going to come on the TV. So you have to be prepared. Um, but maybe even actually practicing this on purpose, um, maybe getting YouTube on the TV and maybe like purposely putting like a squirrel on the TV or another dog barking um, so you can create control and create those situations and you're ready you're in a good mood you're not frustrated um, you're in a good position you're not tired you're not laying down sleeping and you have to like take care of it you are ready for it it was in the schedule you're ready for it and you're ready to go um, working on that and making a positive association with it um, never saying no Never yelling at them, um, really just making it more positive and, and a, a more controlled environment for, for every dog that goes through that. And she had a, a follow-up question to that, which is kind of the advice I think is going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. This is for reactivity to uh, passerbys in their front bay window. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Same thing. All reactivity is 
at its core, it's really the same thing. It's it's a response to what they're seeing. So you can easily correct that with the same exact exercise, just treating and, and positive reinforcement and counter conditioning until their association with what they're reacting to mm-hmm. is totally different. Now it's like, this is great. I get treats every time I exactly. see this on TV, every time I, this person passes my bay window, mm-hmm. I get treats. You can also try the touch command. Um, a lot of my clients know I don't use cum. Um, it doesn't work. We get angry when they don't listen to us. We get ignored and then we get pissed off and we say, come here really nasty. And they're like, well, I'm definitely not going near you now because you're mad at me. Um, so I don't even do the come here. I do touch. So they physically have to come and touch their nose to your palm. It's super exciting. They get a treat every time. Um, it's a completely, it's, it's a, it's more of an activity than it is a demand. And mentally they see that they understand that there is a difference there um and this has been a game changer for a lot of my clients when it you know getting their dogs in the house this and that but in terms of charlotte being at the bay window if if, if becky's in the kitchen um saying touch and and charlotte thinking okay i'm getting a treat she gets away from the window she comes and finds mom and then okay let's distract you and let's do something else so we just kind of bypass that all together and it's still a positive she didn't get yelled at and in, and if you do this consistently, there will come a point where she's going to say, okay, every single time I see a dog out the bay window, mom tells me to touch. I'll go find mom now. <laughs> um, yep. And and if you do it consistently, that's that's what you're going to end up that's with. That's when you win. That's when you yes. know <laughs> you've, you've succeeded. And then her third question. This, this one's is a, fun a tricky one. one. <laughs> Humping us every night when we first get into bed. And like we said, Charlotte's a girl. So a lot of people get confused because they think that humping with dogs is a sexual thing. Yeah, it is not. It's 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 very seldom a sexual thing. Yep. It's almost always an overstimulation. Yep. Um stress. Stress. So you need to figure out I think why what about that situation going to bed is mm-hmm. overstimulating her or stressing her out? Um, and then if you have any tips on what she can do in the meantime. Well, she did give us a little bit. I asked a little bit more questions because um, with this, I always like to ask, is there, um, when did it start? Has it always been like this? Um, is there anything that's different in the house that could be stressing her out? Um, so she, she let me know. Our normal routine is Frank is always in bed before me. I do a few things around the house. Walk Charlotte for her last pee before bed around 10, 1030. Once we get back in the house, she jumps in the bed and humps Frank. I tell her off and she talks back and then, <laughs> so funny. then she does it a few more times until she chills out and finally goes to bed with us. She always has slept in bed with me before we bought our house. Then when we moved in, I honestly don't remember it ever happening until probably a year ago. We've tried ignoring it until she try- tires herself out, but it is kind of a ridiculous behavior. I totally agree. And it would probably be really annoying after a while. Funny in the beginning, then annoying. Um, she's always been a humper though. It was usually when someone is laying on their belly or walking around with a blanket on. Um, She's an opportunist. Yes, but has now evolved to the nightly routine. So it's funny that you said with the the blanket because that's actually super common. I notice that a lot of dogs when they have when people um, have blankets on, dogs like they gravitate toward. It's almost like a toy to them. Um, a lot of dogs are reactive to movement and I don't know if it's the the whole idea of the blanket covering the body and them not be able to see the body. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case, but that's very interesting. That's definitely something to look into. Um, but for this, definitely when she's getting into bed. So, um, since, you know, Frank's already in bed and Becky's the one bringing her in, what I would suggest is tiring her. Obviously she's going on her walk, so she's definitely getting her exercise, but that is in her routine. So it may not be tying her out enough. 
Um, I would probably give her a, like a frozen marabone, um, something that's super like not messy. Um, so you can actually have her lick it while you're, while you're in your bedroom, maybe on the floor or on the bed. If you're okay with that, put a towel down if you need to, um, something that's going to at least keep her busy for like 10, 15 minutes. So instead of going right to humping, she has a different activity and that's her thing before bed. Change up the nightly routine. This is your routine now. Instead of humping, you're going to have a frozen marabone, a bully stick, a yak bone, something that's going to keep her busy. Um, even, even a Kong wobbler that's gonna, you know, you know, maybe it's just her food. Maybe it's just a little bit extra food that, um, she normally eats. Um, but something definitely that's going to change it up and we're distracting her in a way that's actually positive, um, rather than, you know, letting her continue to do the humping. Cause she's clearly doing it for a reason. I don't know if it's like anxiety of going to bed in general, um, that happens a lot, stress related or just wanting attention. Maybe like, okay, when you guys get into bed, she's like, wait, what about me? Cause you guys are focused on going to sleep. So it could be a couple different things that are bothering her. But I think if you change it up and make it more positive for her where she doesn't have it, like, why would she want to go and hump if there's a frozen marabone waiting for her right there? You know, and mentally she's gonna be like, all right, I don't need to do that. I can do this first. Um, and then hopefully once the marabone is done, she's not going to say, Oh, let me go hump real quick. Cause mm. I'm tired now. Um, but I sick. wonder if it's more of an issue of like her cup isn't full. So she doesn't want the day to mm-hmm. end yet because she's she still wants more playtime. She wants more mental stimulation. Yes. So that could be a really good place to start is to do some mental stimulation, work to eat toys, marrow bones, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's probably the biggest key here. Um, now with the blankets and stuff, when people are walking around, trying to do the look command with her and leave it. Um and again, having those treats, like leaving them like by the couch where your blankets are um, and even practicing it again, like how we said, putting the animals on the TV, do the same thing. Have Frank walk around with the blanket and Becky, you be ready with the treats and you guys practice this. So she has more exposure to it and a positive reinforcement uh, training session with it. Um, so that might help. Next question. Marissa said, we just rescued a 10-week-old puppy four days ago, and we just have a couple of questions. The first one is we're trying to crate train. During the night, he'll wake up crying, not because he needs to go out, but because he wants attention, which is really common. Yeah, and he's it's only four days in. The only way he stops crying is if I lay next to his crate until he falls back asleep. Am I starting a bad habit? This one's a little tricky because every puppy is different. Um, and there's no one right way to raise a puppy. So a lot of people, when it comes to puppies, they'll buy like that puppy book. There's not one right way. So take that with a grain of salt and really like, really listen to it because your dog is so different than every other dog. So this dog may just have separation anxiety in general. We don't want to make it worse, but we definitely want to give them confidence. Um, again, making sure that the puppy is um, tired before bed. So mental simulation, going for a walk, playing, um, and doing all of those things right before bed so they can just conk out and hopefully sleep through the night. Um, but I would definitely, even though she's saying that the puppy doesn't need to go out, if the puppy is crying in the middle of the night, the puppy needs to understand if I cry in the middle of the night, it, I'm going to be taken outside, um, not cuddled and given attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to understand that just like any other puppy that, you know, if they bark during the day, okay, you, you're barking, let's go outside. Um, so they, they learn in turn, okay, when I do this behavior, this is the, the cause and effect type thing that happens for me with my owner. Um, now if it is separation anxiety, the fact that the puppy's only been with them for four days, this puppy's probably just getting used to the situation. It's probably been through a lot, transported around young, probably wasn't with mom long enough. Um, so I wouldn't say that you're creating a bad habit. 
Would I say we definitely don't want to continue it? Absolutely. Um, but doing it for a few more nights won't hurt, um, especially since the puppy's so little um, and we're just trying to get him acclimated to the home. Um, now, I don't know where the crate is in comparison to where she's sleeping. Now, if, like, the puppy's all the way downstairs, totally understandable that, you know, puppy's alone, getting nervous. Um, if that's the case, put on music, um, white noise, um, something in the background that kind of drowns everything out. Sometimes when it's super silent, um, they wake up because it's, it's kind of eerie. So doing that, mental stimulation before bed. Um, Make the crate more of a den as well. So mm -hmm. cover it with... Cover at least three sides with a uh, a blanket or something yep. that's going to block out light to make them feel more safe and secure. Because when if everything is opened up, they get nervous. You know, they they can't protect themselves. But when they feel like they're in a cave, they feel a lot more secure. 100%. You could also look into. I know you're not. Well, it's not that you're not crazy about it, but you don't often recommend it. But Adaptil, which is a pheromone spray, which is it mimics the mother's pheromones. So high anxiety dogs or dogs that are still learning crate training. You can pick up the spray, spray it on linen or something mm -hmm. inside of the crate. With this situation, that's perfect yeah. because this and is it, a young puppy. It just kind of comforts them and it, it kind of takes the edge off of their stress. It makes them feel safer. So if they're still a situation like this where we're, they're still learning that the crate is a safe place and they're mm -hmm. going to be okay, something like a pheromone spray like Adaptil might be a good choice. It comes in a spray and they also have collars and they have like almost like Glade plugins where you yeah, like put a them. Diffuser. Like a diffuser. It's It's nice. Um, this actually really helped us with Pudge because, um, for a lot of you that know, Pudge was a hoarding dog from a, a hoarding case and she was only two weeks old when we found her. So no mom, um, needed to be milk fed with her, with her food and stuff. So we, you know, really raised her from a very young age and the Adaptil really helped us that night because she kind of did the same thing. We did have the crate in the room with us, but, um, there was a lot of times where she would fuss all through the night and the spray really did help. Um, it kind of smells like rubbing alcohol when you spray it. Yeah. But then when it dries, we don't smell anything, but they do. You have to let it dry, though. Like 10 um, minutes, I think. Yeah, they, they say not to like put the spray in and then bring the dog in. I guess because the alcohol is kind of unsettling odor for them. Mm -hmm. You let it dry, and then it's it's a pheromone. We, we're not going to be able to pick it up. If, I think if you can, like I've smelt it once because it was so concentrated. It just kind of smells like old French fries. It's weird. <laughs> Um, so that might definitely help you, Marissa. Um, but definitely getting the puppy tired before bed. Um, and even like if the puppy is up in the middle of the night, take them outside, run them a little bit, um, and just get them tired again. I, I, the idea of laying down, it's sweet and it's cute and I, I totally get it why you do it. Um, I've done it. I'm guilty. We don't want them to get dependent on that. And that's, that's the problem. Um, it doesn't do them any good, even though we feel like it's helping them in the moment. Cause that's all it is. It's helping them in the moment, but long-term it doesn't, it doesn't really help them out. So getting them tired. So they're putting themselves to sleep is probably your best bet. And then her second question, he's teething and is chewing our, our clothes and puppy biting. What would you recommend us doing? So this one is the most common question, um, that I get from my puppy clients. Um, those suckers are sharp and I get it. Um, <laughs> The best thing that you can do, and there's a couple things, um, never say no. This goes for all dogs, but especially puppies. No is a word. Eh, eh is a sound. It works way better with them. They absolutely understand it way better than no, because no does not, on the Richter scale, it, it doesn't, they don't turn around and go, oh, what? They don't hear it like that. Eh, eh is a sound. I would do eh, eh 
anytime that it happens, be consistent. Um, also, when they bite down super hard, now this is not just for like a little nip here and there. If they bite down hard, um, it's called it's called yipping. It's basically what, uh, when they are playing with their siblings when they are first born, um, when, they, when they're playing and one dog bites the other one too hard, the other dog will yip and let them know, ouch, that hurt, you know, don't, and that's how they learn um, bite inhibition and, and their threshold. Um, so really working on it that way where you're letting the dog know in a way that they can understand um, that their siblings would, would let them know, um, you can do the same thing. So it kind of sounds like a yip like that, but it needs to be right when they bite you. So it can't be like five seconds afterwards because they're going to be like, what are you doing? Um, and it has to be for when it's really short, when it really hurts. So they're understanding, okay, that was too hard. Um, and then also standing up. Let's say you're on the floor playing with the puppy. Puppy gets a little too intense, a little too overstimulated. Um, bites down hard. Eh, eh, do the yip and stand up and walk away for a few minutes. Um, but also it's on you as an owner to know if your puppy is getting too overstimulated and getting overtired, you need to put them to sleep. Like you, you need to pick yourself up, take them out of the situation before they get themselves in trouble. Cause you know, they're going to get a little rowdy and let them take a nap. Um, cause this happens constantly. Um, also putting toys in the puppy's mouth instead. There's a lot of little different things that you can do when it's happening. Um, now some puppies will kind of run after your heels um, when they're super young and trying to bite your ankles and your, your pant leg and stuff like that. Um, I always tell my clients, stop dead in your tracks. Don't continue to try and walk and do not run. They think it's a game. Um, so try and stop in your tracks eh, eh, and try to do something else with them. Maybe get them distracted with a toy or, you know, have them do sit for a treat and you distract them, get them into a different realm of thinking rather than going after your ankles. But again, they do this for attention. So if they're bored and they're not doing anything productive for themselves, they are going to come after your ankles. So again, being proactive as an owner, keeping your puppy stimulated 24-7, nap, stimulation, go to the bathroom, nap, stimulation, go to the bathroom. Um, it's, it's like having a newborn. And believe me, we are in the thick of it. So we get it. Um, but you have to be proactive. You have to have these things lying around. Um, so when it does happen, you're not like, oh my God, what am I doing? What can I do with this dog? You have a frozen marabone, you have the Kong wobbler, you have all these things in your pocket and you're, you're using them when you need them. All right. Next question is from Allie. She said, Jade gets so focused on things on walks, whether it be another dog walking by a person, a squirrel, anything, getting her attention to continue our walk is almost impossible. Also rolling over in the middle of the street on her back for a belly rub and won't budge to get up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jade is a cutie. Um, this is very similar to what we spoke about earlier with um, Arielle and her dog Dot. Um, working on the leave it and the look commands. I know Allie was saying that she is thinking about doing our walk and train program when the coronavirus has subsided. Um, this would absolutely help Jade. Um, our walk and train program is basically, um, you know, our, our dog walkers coming and walking your dogs during the day and teaching them some commands um, during that time. So you're kind of getting a walk and a train all in one. Um, and this is just basic um, commands in general. So look the look command and the leave it while she's walking would absolutely, absolutely be worked on. Um, and 
getting, I know that Allie walks her a lot as well. The more consistent she is with it, the better Jade will get. Again, being focused on mom is our number one goal rather than all the other things that are going on around. Um, keeping her mentally stimulated. I know Allie does a lot of this, um, but making sure that she's getting that mental exercise even before she goes on her walks just so she's a little bit more tired. Um, and then the belly rubs, I think that's really just her looking for attention. I know that, um, Jade does suffer from separation anxiety. This may, and I'm not sure I would have to ask Allie about it, but if it's more towards the end of the walk and she realizes that they're going home and she's like, I don't want to go home yet because I know mom's going to go to work again. Um, dogs are very smart, especially when they have separation anxiety. They know what works for them. They know what keeps their owners around. So if that's the case, then that's probably what's going on. Um, but really just wanting attention and wanting mom to be with her in general. So that's probably what's happening. Linda, Opie's mom, says, is there anything that as a trainer makes your skin crawl or wish your clients knew more information about? She also wanted to say, you've taught us about retractable leashes and prong collars, but until we spoke the other day, I had no idea the harsh side effects you have seen from Apoquil. All right, so there are a lot of things that make my skin crawl. <laughs> retractable leashes and prong collars are definitely top on the list, so I love that Linda already knows that about me. Um... Walking is a big one. I mean, the, the retractable leashes and, and the prong collars are, are pretty big, but also down to the point, not just um, those two, but the the hardware that people use in general. So like back clip harnesses, um, and then they're, you know, yanking their dogs backwards and yelling at them to heal. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but they have an operative nerve in the back of their necks. And when you put any pressure, so a regular collar, a martingale, um, a back clip harness, any pressure that's that's pulling in the shoulder blade area, it's going to make them want to pull forward. It's it's a it's a reflex that they cannot say no to. It's this, called the freedom reflex. Yeah. Um, so anytime that they feel that pressure, they it's involuntary. They can't stop. So you can leash pop. You can pull your dog back. You can yell no. You can scream at them. Make them sit. Tell them no again. It will not translate what you want from them because they do not understand they're doing anything wrong because this is just how their their genetic body is made up. Um, we only use um, easy walks. Um, they are a front clip harness. It's right on the chest. You double clip to the collar. Um, game changer. So it really it really irks me when people don't use them and they're they're so amazing and they they really just they just it's a game changer. Um, what else? Um, when our clients will take advice from random people in Facebook groups over what we tell them. Yes. That one drives me insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Karen in Dog Moms of NJ will say, mm -hmm. uh, you know, no, you have to smack them on the nose. Yeah. No, we or don't. Or put any... their nose in their pee. And then yeah. they, they take that as gospel instead of listening to their trainers. Yeah. Um, positive reinforcement only. Um, Every dog is different and there's not one way to do it. Um, be proactive. Um, what Linda was talking about with the Apoquil, uh, we don't talk about this often just because it's it's a more of a medic medical thing. Um, uh, everything, like what she's about to say is strictly anecdotal. It's what we've observed from over 10 clients now. Yes, over 10 clients and, and personal experience. our own personal experience. Uh, my pit Dottie that uh, passed away uh, 2014, she had really bad, She's well, she was a white pity, and if anybody owns a white pity, they know um, allergies are like top of the list in terms of things that we deal with. Um, 
So her allergies were awful. Um, and this was all year round. So she um, went through a bunch of things, a lot of um, topical creams and baths, and which she hated. Um, it was like pulling teeth. And then one of our vets said, try Epiquil. It is a beta blocker. It tells the brain you're not itchy. And it's a pill that they take daily. Um, they are only supposed to be on it for 30 days. Um, my dog was on it for over a year and she wound up getting cancer. She got bone cancer in her jaw. Um, and they were, oh, she's seven when she got, she cancer? was seven. Yeah. Um, now like that's super young. Um, and she was healthy as could be beforehand. Um, so that happened, you know, they wanted to do chemo radiation. Um, but the odds were not great. So we kept her comfortable and let her go when it was time. Um, since then, we've seen a lot of our clients that are on it. And I think now four or five of them are gone mm. and four or five of them are on their way. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> strangely enough, Abiquil is the, the common denominator between all of them. Um, we had one that went into acute kidney failure and then when they were taken off of it, um, it, it actually reversed. Um, we've seen, you know, white count in the thousands and then when they're taken off of it down to the tens. Um, so when I was talking to Linda about it, because Opie did get put on it, it works. It does work. I can't say that it doesn't. It was the only thing that worked for Dottie that kept her skin clean and she wasn't eating her paws and she didn't get all these, they're almost like pimples. Um, and Opie gets the exact same thing. He eats the inside of his paws, which is the worst thing because then the saliva sits in between the toes and then it creates more bacteria. It becomes a hot spot. Yes. Um, and they just don't stop licking it and it's very hard to keep them away from it. Um, and then the pimples are just super itchy. You see their skin, um, pinch up and it's, you know, as an owner, it's hard to see your dog suffer through this and they can't tell you, hey, I'm in pain and we don't know what the situation is. So obviously you want to help your dog in any way that you can. Um, but um, this is a medication I usually tell my clients really be careful with it because they really are only supposed to be on it for 30 days. And I, they, they do. The company does say that if cancer is present, it'll speed up the, the process of the disease. Yes. Which I think is bullshit. So, but, <laughs> but you know, it's in there. So it's saying that it, it will speed it up. So we really have to be careful with that. Um, so I was telling her, you know, I would try anything else because if someone gave me the option of having Dottie live till she was older, I would have that rather than, you know, what the situation was. Um, so yes, that is how we feel about Abiquil. Um, but is there anything else that irks us? There's a lot of things that irk us. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if uh, there's enough time though. I know. To go through all of it. I know. But if your dog is struggling, don't, like how John's saying, like people go into the, the dog moms group on Facebook, like get a trainer, like, like, look at podcasts, look at people, like behavioral consultants. Like, there's so much information out there. You just have to find it and see what works for your dog. Try things out. You know, I know that dog training can be very expensive, but um, if you find a good one and and you you mesh with them, you don't, if you, if a trainer comes to your house and you feel awkward and you feel like you're being put in a position that you're uncomfortable with, cut it off. You are not held to anything. And that's why people do consults. And if someone doesn't give you a free consult, then they are not a good trainer. Something's not right. Something's not right. You don't get a free consult. Something's not right. You need to make, I always tell my clients like you're not held to anything. I don't do packages because if you pay for 10 trainings and your dog only needs six, you just paid for four extra ones that you don't need. And that's not fair. Um, secondly, what if you don't like me? What if we don't mesh? And that's okay. Not everybody loves each other. That's all right. 
Um, but you need to find a trainer that works for you and your dog and doesn't make you feel uncomfortable and that you uh, feel good with. So that that's one of the things that irk me. People looking, they have serious questions and they go to a Facebook group. Look for someone to help you out. Next question is... It's a worded a little strangely, but nervous, anxious dog. I guess what they're basically looking for is do anti-anxiety drugs have a place in dog training and behavior modification? 100%. Um, when I first started out, um, I probably would have had a different answer because um, I was super against them. Um, now that I have a dog that actually needs them, um, I get it. I totally understand it. Um, Oakley came to us. Uh, he seemed like the perfect dog. Um, we found out within three, four weeks, uh, we were leaving him out. He destroyed our entire house, um, from like top to bottom, like blinds cut in half, furniture moved all over the room. Um, serious manic anxiety, um, from us not being home. Um, that's literally Oakley's only flaw because he is perfect. Um, so put him in a crate. He got out of four crates and got his head stuck in the last one. Um, took us a really long time to get him out and it was really scary because we only went to the shop, right? And if it was a full day of work, he probably would have strangled himself. Um, mm. so burn the house down. Yeah. He almost burned the house down. He actually jumped up on the stove and turned on the flame. That was fun. Thankfully the windows were open and we came in, it was 90 degrees and Pudge and him were just sitting on the couch like, Oh, hello, you're home. That was fun. Um, so I get it now. He needed them. We tried everything. I, Tried everything I knew as a trainer to help him in the crate. Music, uh, marrow bones, uh, the blanket over it. Um, didn't matter. He was manic. And it was until he really calmed himself down that he um, was able to to really understand we were going to come home. But the anti-anxiety medication um, is absolutely what helped him um, with a mix of CBD. So we did both. Um, every dog is different. Um, I do suggest trying CBD before going the full route of anti-anxiety medication. Um, and there's, there's a lot to it. it. Um, it's not like a, like a one trick pony. So like you should be doing training with these medications, um, with the CBD. Um, but for anybody that's interested in the medications in general, um, what Oakley is on is it's called fluoxetine. It's basically like our Prozac. Um, so that's a long-term drug. That is something it's a, that he, It's a maintenance drug. It's a maintenance drug. So he, he's, it doesn't kick in for four weeks. So it has to build up in the system. And that's when you start to see, um, some calmness. Um, what a lot of vets will suggest, uh, cause they're a little bit more old school is more of like a Xanax. So, um, like a Trazodone or a Gabapentin. Um, these are situational. So they last for six, eight hours and then they're done. Um, I don't love them as much as I like for dogs that are suffering from legitimate anxiety, especially if they are older, we do not know their past. Um, they need something to really actually maintenance them and get them their chemical balances where they need to be because we're dealing with a lot of emotional trauma that we don't know what it is. Um, now the trazodone definitely helps for like dog grooming and stuff like that for situational stuff. So that's great. But if you're dealing with a dog that has anxiety in situations, um, that are more all the time, definitely going for the anti-anxiety medication, which is the fluoxetine. But, um, yeah, that's, I, you have to be training with these. So what we did with Oakley was, you know, we would leave for half an hour and come back and see how we did it. And then just really congratulate him and let him know we're always going to come back. So, we had to work with him 
um, a lot. And now he, now we leave him out. He's not even created anymore. So he's doing really, really great. It took a while, but yeah. he's doing good. Just so sometimes anti-anxiety medication or what's necessary to break down the walls and barriers to start having effective training. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dogs that you can't even touch yep. until you get that baseline anxiety down. 100%. So otherwise, they're just shut down to the world. And um, a competitor had accused us of mm-hmm. drugging our dog. Yes. That um, was fun. Which, On which Facebook. Which would be Oakley. So if... To I be a therapy dog. I, I got accused of drugging doc- him to be a therapy dog. I don't know if Dr. Mavin will see this, but uh, what is he <laughs> on? 20 milligrams of fluoxetine every 12 hours? 40 because of his weight. If, if you think 40 milligrams of fluoxetine every 12 hours is going to sedate a 90 pound dog... <laughs> You're just showing how ignorant you are. Yes. And uh, any vet will just laugh at you. Yes. So I drugged him to make him a therapy dog. So that people, trainers, yes. trainers like that, that want to continue to put the stigma on dogs that need medication. Dogs are, are experiencing mental trauma. Just like we do. Ju- at, at a more alarming rate than we are. Look at the, look at the shelters, especially dogs that come from the South that are abused. Mm-hmm. They suffer from PTSD just like, just like we do. So if there's no stigma on mental illness and we're trying to take out the stigma of mental illness in humans, why are we continuing to to keep this stigma of mental illness in animals and dogs? Mm-hmm. It just 100%. doesn't make any sense. I have a lot of clients that say, you know, I don't want to put my dog on meds. I get it. It's it's like your child. You don't want to put your, your child on meds either. But there is there is something going on and we need to help them. And, and a lot of times I get situations where we're in a time strain. We are, you know... I need this dog fixed or they're going to the shelter. And so if you need that in a time frame, we need to work quickly. Um, and the medication absolutely helps them. I have a lot of dogs, like John said, that cannot be touched by me until the medications kick in because they are so severely damaged from what has happened in their past. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not a person that shies away from that. But they need the help. Just like any person, if if they were going through that much trauma, you would say as a friend, as a family member, you need this. You need help. And and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of them, once the training is has run its course, they can be off the medication. Like yeah. They, they, that's, they're weaned off exactly. entirely. And then they're just normal dogs. I always but, tell my clients that we don't put on medication for for life. It's it's short term. It's to train like hell and wean them off the second we can. That's the goal. That is. There the goal. are some there are some dogs that are going to need it indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Right. So now we're going to switch to the chat where there's a few questions. Okay. So Lisa wants to know why would Prudence be suddenly guarding sticks but not food? Well, now okay. So guarding is is usually um, one of those topics that like I need to ask a ton of questions, um, like to Lisa. Do you normally not let her have sticks outside? Is that something that she has picked up on that um, is like your thing now where she's like, oh, I have to guard this. I love this so much. And this is how I get my attention. A lot of times with guarding, it starts out with um, like how she's saying it, an object that has no value. Um, But they're putting all this value on it because we put so much value on it. So you never take her food away from her because it's her food and she's allowed to have it. Now, all of a sudden, you want to take these sticks every single time. And she's like, oh, no, I need to guard this because you want this. You're putting value on it. I need to have it, even though it, there is no value because it's a stick. Right. But the value is the rise out of you, mm-hmm. the the cat and mouse game yep. that you end up playing. And then they just think, wow, this must be the greatest thing. I our, can't have this. I want it. Exactly. Our emotions 
are pretty much what stem from all of our dog's issues. <laughs> Everything that we do, they pick up on. Even like things that we don't even understand that we're putting down. Um, so to Lisa, I would let her first let her have the stick because she's not going to hurt herself. Um, if she chews it, it's not going to hurt her unless she's swallowing big chunks, which I doubt it. Uh, she's, yeah, she's little. Are, I'd be surprised she could girl. break the stick up. Yeah. Um, I would just let her <clears throat> ignore her. Like, let her have the stick. Let her walk around with it. Ignore her. This is, it goes back to what I was saying before. If your dog jumps up and takes stuff, takes things in the house that aren't theirs, and they're not actually going to harm themselves, let them have it. Ignore them. Act like you don't even see them. They will look at you and be like, hello, do you see me? I got this. Come chase me. But um, you just ignore them. And um, offer a trade if it does come to the point where you need to whatever object inanimate object they have yes just offer them a trade if you need to get, you know get it out of their mouth like you know if they have something like a bottle cap or something yeah. that they're going to swallow where their safety's at risk then obviously intervene and try and make a trade but don't make that an every time thing because that's how you make guarding even worse because then they're going to they're going to guard more things to get a command to trade they're smart definitely smart yes <laughs> um all right and then rosemary says well, it's actually signed from Casey. My pup Tallulah is a terrier mix, has always been aggressive since I brought her home. She always thinks she needs to protect or bark and jump like crazy at other dogs, cyclists, now cars. She failed obedience school twice. Hello. What would you recommend? So this is Hello. back to another issue of reactivity. And I think probably anxiety. Um, yes. If it's, if it's escalating yeah. to now cars when it wasn't always cars, you're probably looking at anxiety being the cause of this. Depending on how, did she say how old? She did not. So depending on how old she is and how, like, it really comes down to the obedience training that she was experiencing, what the situation was. Um, this might be, I would absolutely put her on CBD as soon as possible. Um, with dogs like this, when they're super reactive like that, uh, they feel terrified. And that's why they are doing what they're doing. Um, because they feel like they don't have a choice. They feel like they need to protect, bark, lunge, growl, do whatever they need to do to protect themselves or you. Um, we need to take that edge off. So she's eight she, years old. Okay, so she's a little bit older. Um, so she's had a good run of life, and this is probably super terrifying for her. So I would absolutely put her on CBD and then work on the look command when you are walking and you see a bike. You need for for Casey. She needs to be like super vigilant when walking. Like she needs to see a dog or a bike or a truck way before Tallulah sees it, um, and have her look and sit, do something distracting. Um, when these things are approaching. So instead of like focusing solely on this thing that's happening, she's looking at mom and she may like, if, if you're Casey and like the thing is over there, you should be saying, look, look, look. Right. And I should be like this. But if the dog turns like this, you saying, look again, taking that food, putting it in front of my face, lure turning it. me, lure, lure. lure her positive. Not, you're not anxious. You're not yelling. You're Calm. baby voice, like super excited. It's okay. Um, the, I know it sounds nuts and every client looks at me like I'm crazy and then they do it and they're like, holy crap, this works. And I know it will work for you. So it's okay if you look crazy, you don't need new friends. <laughs> so do what you got to do when you're on the walks and just try to encourage them to focus on you and make it positive. No yelling, no matter the behavior. And I think that's all the questions that we have. That was fun. So if you guys like this live Q and a format, let us know, leave a comment, and we'll probably do this more because there is nothing else to do. We are all on <laughs> Quarantined. Um, so. We're also 
hosting virtual training. So if anybody has more serious stuff that they really want to deal with on a personal level, like one-on-one with me and John, uh, we are holding virtual trainings, $50 for 30 minutes. You can do it once. You can do it once a week. You can do it twice a week. You can do it as as much or as little yeah. as you want. You're or not if you held. Just, if you just need some advice. Yeah, you know, like one-shot deal. Jamie's one of the only, in the Monmouth County area, one of the only certified um, animal at, at Canine behavior consultants. There we go. I had to think about it through the IABC. Yes. So you know, a great resource that you can tap into. You know, we're we're always here for you. So that's an option. I think we'll probably. And I don't know when. Maybe sometime next week we'll probably do another live stream mm-hmm. of some things that you could do at home with your dog. Now that a lot of people have a lot of time with their dogs, and then also something I was considering is could this if you're not proactive now, could all this being home with your dog create a separation anxiety issue, you know, a month from now when, when life goes back to normal? And you have to actually leave the house. So it's something that I, I'd like to have a conversation about and then talk about what we can do to prevent that from happening. I think that's a really good idea. All right. That's all we have for this episode. 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 I mean, I'm going to upload the audio to our podcast stream. So if you're not aware, we have a podcast, Boston University Podcast. Which Check is it out. What that logo is right down there. Mm-hmm. Um, go to you can go to Apple, Spotify, um, iTunes, anywhere, and just search Boston University, and you can see the Boston University Podcast. We have almost thirty episodes. Yeah, and a lot of these questions um, are in bigger episodes that have more detail. Um, I have a lot of people that come to me and they have these, and I just, I literally just link them right to the podcast because we talk in depth about so many things, puppies, reactivity, dog on dog, um, strangers, kids. I mean, everything that you could possibly imagine we have probably talked about so far. Yes. So if you need some extra resources, just look at the titles and see, okay, what am I interested in? What do I want to learn about? Um, food, dog food, um, the whole grain free thing. We talked about that. So, you know, some interviews. We had the chaplain of the SPCA, Manny Giuliano, that we interviewed. Mm-hmm. We uh, interviewed the founder of Yogi Dog Yogurt, yeah. this is D. Marie. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a lot of good episodes. And we're going to be coming out with more. We took a little hiatus, obviously, a newborn. And um, for those of you that don't know about Opal um, or, or know her story, that we've been battling her epilepsy for since it started in September and it's yeah. just kind of escalated. And uh, she lost her fight. Um, almost a month ago now right yeah it was actually a little over a month ago she lost her fight with epilepsy she stopped responding to the medication so um had to do what was right for her um so super hard decision but um she's at peace now so that was that we took a little break that we weren't anticipating taking from the podcast and from a lot of the post university stuff but we're going to start creating more content again. Getting and, back um, in the swing of things. We also set up a nonprofit. We're in the process of getting our 501c3 through the IRS. But obviously this time of year with everything going on, they're a little busy. <laughs> but we should have the determination letter very soon. And it'll be a 501c3 that's going to cover the cost of MRIs for dogs, cats, any animals that are suffering from neurological issues. Um, that was our biggest hurdle. We were never able to afford an MRI. They're in this area, and we're in Monmouth County. You're looking at forty five hundred dollars for an MRI, just for a test that tells you what's wrong. It doesn't fix the problem. So you know, aside from medical, like all of her medications and stuff like that, we were buried in bills. 
um, and her. We thought we we thought we were sitting pretty. We had our sister in law Jess set a, a GoFundMe up yeah. for us, and yeah. we raised a lot of money. People were so generous. We raised a lot of money, and then it, the did, next day we go to pick her up from Red Bank Vet, and we had already spent all the money in yeah. just overnight care and a Valium drip. So, so we want to try and help people. That we're in the same situation as us. So that they don't have to, they they have more options than we had. Yes. Um, So I'm going to, in the chat, I'm going to drop, it's at the Opal Fund. And that's our nonprofit that's going to be raising money and issuing grants to individuals. Or it'll be directly to animal hospitals and animal shelters and animal rescues that need to get MRIs for animals in their care or for their patients. So... That's Opal's Legacy. That's Opal's Legacy. So if you want to head over there, drop us a like and uh, see what we're all about. It's also opalfund.org. Yes. Um, do you want to also add the um, Possum University recommended Amazon list? I posted that in there. I could post it again. Yeah, post it again just so people can see it. Um, a lot of great things on there for mental stimulation. Yep, that's our recommended products list. We're going to be adding some stuff to that pretty soon. Yeah. Because I, th- I Is the snuffle mat even in there? Nope. Yeah, so we, yeah. we have, have a little updating to do on there, but... There's a, a bunch of products in there that we have tested and we use love daily. and use all the time and recommend and yeah. have actually made a big impact in animals' lives. The Easy Walk harness is on there. The Easy Walk's on there. It's the first item on there. So yes. if you're looking for a harness, a, a no-pull harness that actually works, it's actually scientifically proven to work. And you want to actually have an enjoyable walk with your dog? Yes. Go for it. Yes. <laughs> if they're still pulling after that, you need a little bit of behavior modification. And that's okay. Uh, that's all we have for this episode. Until next time. Everybody have a great night. Enjoy your quarantine. Yes, enjoy your quarantine. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.